I'd like to uh, talk about um, the passage that we read earlier where the disciples are in a rowing boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. It's after the feeding of the 5,000, as I said earlier. And um, our Lord immediately, he says, sent them off in a boat, tells them, gives them a command, makes them go to the other side, go from west to east, a distance of about seven miles. And then he himself goes up into the mountain nearby to pray. Uh, I have a son, Oshan his name is, and when he was about um, 10 or 11, uh, we went to the Irzaisteswod, I can't remember where it was, but I can remember that near there was, uh, was somewhere else on the field with Anwin who was taking part in a choir competition or something, and Oshan and I were wandering around the field, and we came across this um, uh, health tent, as it were, it was quite a long one. And up at one end, there was a counter, and there were people talking, and lots of leaflets. And down this end, there were two rowing machines. Well, that's an opportunity far too good to miss, isn't it? So I had challenged Oshan to a race, you see. So he had one rowing machine, I had the other rowing machine, and, and I'd like to tell you I won. The only problem was that I couldn't stand up afterwards. And I sent Oshan away to find his mother and, and his, while I sat in a nearby chair going <laughs> because I'd overdone it, righty wala, as we say in Welsh. Um, of all the machines in the gym, I like the, the rowing machine best. To know it, it strengthens and exercises 84% of all the muscles in your body. Excellent machine, but hard work. Rowing is hard work, that's the point. And I'm going to um, put it to you that uh, boat with 12 disciples in rowing across the lake is a picture of the church. It's a picture of a church, a local church, whatever. Okay? Um, there are 12 men in it, the 12 disciples of Jesus. You remember that it's the, the Old Testament church begins with the 12 sons of Jacob. And the New Testament begins with Jesus choosing 12 disciples. And then those two 12s come together in the book of Revelation with the 24 elders, I believe. And so this is representative of the New Testament church, these 12 men. Um, they, they are commanded to the lake and um, they've probably and they, they hit a headwind uh, uh, now this boat is big enough to hold 12 men it's not made of glass fiber it's made of wooden planks so it's pretty heavy I think it must have 12 baskets of leftovers as well what did they do with those after feeding the 5,000 and it's, it's got, a, it's, 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 uh, it's got a, a mast on it, and it's got a square sail. But when you're going into the wind, the square sail is useless. Modern boats can tack. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but they can go zigzag into the wind. 2,000 years ago, sailboats couldn't do that sort of thing. The only alternative was to take the sail down 
and to row, which is what they do. Um, this is a picture of Bible-believing churches. And isn't it true that we are trying to hold church and to run churches into a headwind at this time? I mentioned it in prayer. The, the unbelief in our country, the, the, the people call it the post-Christian era. Uh, um, and we, we give out um, 2,000 leaflets at Christmas time inviting people to our carol service and we get one person turning up maybe. Uh, and perhaps um, it's, it's a long time since we heard or met someone who'd been converted. Conversions few and far between uh, at this time. Um, this, we see churches, I, I notice it coming, I don't often come to Klidach, but I notice there are quite a few chapels here that are obviously closed and in a bad way. Um, we, the, 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 the attitude of people as, is gradually developing from indifference to, um, to aggression. And we can feel it, can't we? The government, the, the media, and individual people often. So we're going against, a, we are rowing, as it were, against a stiff headwind. And so hopefully we can see some guidance and some help uh, from this passage. Now, this boat is a, a picture of the body of Christ. But the, the, the other pictures of the, of the church, I should say, uh, in the Bible, and uh, one is uh, 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 as a body. In Colossians 2.19, we read um, Jesus, the head from whom whole body is nourished and knit together through the joints, ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. And so, we, we have a picture there of a church with people working together, doing different jobs in the body, just as in our own bodies. There's, uh, there's uh, uh, the different parts of our body have to work together in, in different ways. And it, the church is like that. We're all different in the church. And we have to work together. It's teamwork. Um, it's not my son this time, it's my grandson. He was 12. And we, we came up, and we were look, one August I was looking after him, and we came up uh, to Coit Gwilym Park. And we hired a, a Canadian canoe on the Swansea Canal. Anybody ever done that? Yeah? Um, and he was in the front. He was 12 years old. And I was behind him. We had our oar and off we went. And I don't know if it was my um, inability to teach or, or instructions were wrong or something. But I couldn't get him to row in me. And it's very important, only two of you in the boat, if... One is, a, each of us has a, has a separate oar, and so, therefore, you must row in sync if you're going to go in a straight line. It was quite a pleasant time I had with him, but I spent most of my time trying to correct the, the, the direction of the boat, uh, and uh, I had to be really on my toes to, uh, to do that. So, when you're in a boat, you have to work together. You have to row uh, together. We must row in sync or else the boat won't go forward. Um, we, have, um, 
we all have different gifts and, and work that we can do and we, we work together. We must work together. Some people have bigger O's than others, <laughs> but um, we all should be taking part in this great adventure, this great venture of the church here at Bethel in Klidach going forward and take it as, a, as a, our, our service for the, for the Lord Jesus Christ and in our work here. And I, I'm talking about um, uh, commitment. We need to be committed to our church. I'm, I don't know you. You don't know me. So I can say this. If there is anybody here who is a Christian, who comes to this church regularly, who loves this church, and you're not a member of the church, but you could be, then you should be. I, I urge you to get on board, as it were, on this boat, and to commit yourself and your family, whoever, um, to the work of the church here in, in Bethel, to commit yourself uh, financially, uh, commit your time, your look around for whatever work you can do, and pray with the people here. It's been said that the engine room of any church is the prayer meeting. Now, okay, this boat doesn't have an engine room, I confess. Okay, but you've got the idea. The, the, the prayer meeting is the engine room of the church. Prayer is supremely important uh, when it comes to the life of the church. Uh, and I hope that, um, uh, well, we, we, in Ebenezer, we've, uh, uh, pastor has announced just recently that he's going to retire a year from September. And so we've been trying, urging more people to come to the prayer meeting because it's becoming a, into that time that can be difficult and, uh, and we need to pray about this. Um, and so, so we're urging people to come to the prayer meeting. Prayer is of paramount importance. Um, in the New Testament, you have phrases such as in one accord, of one mind, of the same mind. And often these are in the context of prayer. And that brings me to another point, that when you're in a boat and you're rowing together, you've got to get on with one another. You've got to support one another, encourage one another. It's be of one mind. As soon as the, the rowers fall out and start quarreling or whatever, or disagree, then that boat isn't going to go forward very well. And so we need to pray about that and consider that. That it is very important that we, we love one another and we care for one another and uh, we, we, we pray for one another. Now, this, this group of men could have turned the boat around, lifted the sail, and shot back to where they'd come from. They could have fed on those 12 baskets of leftovers, waited for the weather to change, uh, and change direction, lift the sail, and go across to the east. They could have done that, at least. I assume they could, or it seems as if they could, but they didn't do that. Many churches have done that. In, in difficult situations, churches can compromise. It's one of the reasons why there are so many chapels closed. Compromised on the teaching of the Bible. Compromise um, on, the, on the, the scripture. 
um, and perhaps even come more uh, social centers, um, cultural centers, and lose sight of the gospel, the all-important message of the gospel. But we cannot do that. We will not do that. We are Bible-believing gospel church here. And these disciples were commanded by Jesus to cross the lake. And, and it's actually put quite strongly. Um, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He made them quite strong. He made them. And, and, and that is our direction. Our direction is a gospel direction. It's a scriptural direction. And although it's very unpopular, against a headwind, uh, that is the way we must go. And the, these disciples, they stick at it. At least you can say that about them. They stuck at it. And they, they, they tried to row into the wind, as it were. Big point here. The Lord Jesus Christ sees and knows what we are going through. What an encouragement is that. And we read in uh, the end of verse 47 to 48, He was alone on the land. He saw that they were making headway painfully. Now he was, um, it was darkness. This is perhaps three or four, four, four o'clock in the morning. It's dark. He's on the land, something like four miles away. And he's looking into the wind. The wind is blowing towards him. So he had the spray as well. And yet the scripture tells us that he not only saw them, but he knew what they were going through. They were making progress painfully. He knew what they were going through. And the Lord Jesus Christ knows what you as a church are going through at this time. He knows your problems. He knows your joys. He knows all about us. And that must be a, a, an encouragement to us. Now the word painfully here, he made, they made headway painfully, is translated in other parts of the scripture as torture. It's a very strong word. These, these men, these 12 men, I don't know how many were, were, were rowing, perhaps not all the 12 of them at once, but they certainly um, would have had it very hard. The sun goes down in the Middle East round about 6 o'clock and comes up round about 6 o'clock generally. Varies slightly. With us it varies a lot, but for them it varies little, very little. And so the Romans had split the night into four watches. From six till twelve, twelve till three, three till six. Is that four? Six and nine. Did I? I taught maths, you see, in school and it's a long time since I sought maths and I, I've forgotten all the maths. Thank you very much. Okay, there you are. So six till nine. Well done. Nine till twelve, twelve till three, three till six. Yeah. Okay. So it's during the fourth march, watch for the night that Lord Jesus went um, uh, to them. So they might have been rowing for something like nine, ten hours. That's a long time. And um, in the Gospel of John, the same uh, account is is there. And it he that John tells us that they'd gone round about four miles, three, four miles. At the time that. That's not much progress in 10 hours. I can, I can walk at around about 3 miles an hour. But this was very, very slow indeed. They would have been extremely tired. They would have been very cold. They would have been soaked to the skin. Every sinew of their bodies would have been screaming at them. Their hands would have been raw. 
they would have been so discouraged. They would have felt that the Lord Jesus doesn't care, doesn't know about them. They're in the night there in this terrible situation. They're not making any progress. And, and so it's a very discouraging situation. Doesn't that ring bells for us sometimes? When we, 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 we make so much effort to reach people with the gospel and we don't get any response. And we, we feel so discouraged, don't we? Ebenezer is exactly the same. Um, they were tempted to feel that they were on their own. But Jesus saw, Jesus knew. And that is an encouragement for us. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And he looks down and he knows what we're going through. He knows all about us. And he intercedes for us. What was Jesus on that mountain? He was praying, wasn't he? He must have been praying for the disciples. And we, can, we know from uh, Romans 8.35, which says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us at this moment. He is interceding for us. He knows he sees, he intercedes for us, he sympathizes with us. What an encouragement that is for us. Um, it, is, um, uh, it is a great encouragement um, to pray for people, missionaries. Uh, and and I've had, whenever I've sort of told people, well, I'm praying for you, Nir and I are praying for you. They find it encouraging. And, 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 and uh, certain responses where people said, I, I felt it, I felt it. And we need to intercede um, as individuals at home as well as in the prayer meeting for, for others. It's God's way of bringing blessing. Well, our Lord Jesus not only interceded, not only saw them and sympathized with them, he did something about it. He went to them. And God answers our prayers. The Lord Jesus Christ answers our prayers. And in this case, he answered at a surprising time, during the night. And in a surprising way, walking on the water. And in a surprising place, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. When God answers our prayers, sometimes it isn't quite what we expected. And we must be prepared for that. We must be prepared that God answers our prayers. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it's his will that we are looking for uh, when, we, when we pray. And uh, he, uh, the, the Lord came to uh, these disciples um, in an uh, unusual and unexpected way. Um, as I said, John's gospel tells us they, they rowed about four miles in about ten hours. And, of course, they would have been rowing. And as you know, when you row, you face the, dis the, the direction you came from. And so if Jesus had been following them, and if he, if he could walk at three miles an hour, the speed that I can walk, he would have caught up with them very quickly. And uh, they, they saw him come in, in the, in the gloom of the, the breaking dawn. They couldn't see him clearly. They couldn't see him clearly. They thought it was a ghost. But they, they could see there was someone there, and, and they were terrified. And um, he, he says to them, take heart. Um, it is 
said that he meant, he made as if he was walking past them. He wasn't coming straight to the boat. He, he, was, he was overtaking them. He, he was going, going past them. And um, the lesson we have from that is a lesson that's repeated several times in Scripture. That our Lord will not force himself on us. He doesn't force himself into this boat. He doesn't force himself on us. Um, you remember this wonderful verse in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, come in to him and eat with him and he with me. We must pray and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come and stand in the midst and and the Holy Spirit to come and take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. We need to pray earnestly uh, for this, the, the, the breeze of, uh, of, the, of heaven to come amongst us and for, and for blessing to come. Um, take heart, he says, and don't be afraid. There's nothing that will cheer us more than that felt, known sense of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit in, in the meetings amongst us, in our prayers, in our prayer meetings. When that comes, that is great joy for us. It's, it's when Jesus comes amongst us that uh, we, we know this joy of heaven in our hearts, that assurance that he is with us, uh, um, and, and, uh, and the things of heaven becoming ever more real. Once Jesus was in the boat, our reading says that the wind stopped. It stopped. And John's account says that suddenly they were where they were meant to go. So that four miles or so was covered without noticing it. And isn't that true? You read about um, revivals and uh, the Holy Spirit coming that that churches are working really hard and there's, there's hardly any response and only a few people are converted. And when the Spirit comes, suddenly the, the, the work goes on very fast and, and things uh, develop very quickly in an astonishing way. And, um, and, and this is what happens when the Lord Jesus Christ is in the boat, is in our boat, um, and, and, and the headwind stops and, and we, we get where we're going to. We see... Um, his, his name being glorified, people being converted, people being saved, people coming in, and, and, and our neighbors and our friends taking notice and asking us about Jesus Christ. This is what we long for, isn't it? This is what we long for. We're, we're, we're in a boat, we're rowing really hard against the wind, and it's really, really tough. Uh, and we, we pray um, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ would, would come in and sup with us, and that the Holy Spirit would come and, and, and use it, the precious word of God to revive us, to, to save sinners. That's what, we, uh, that's what we long for. That's what we desire. That's the lesson of this passage.